Is there a place in time where logic breaks down and wonderment begins? Could that be somewhere or sometime along an infinite line between the reasonable and the highly unlikely? Join us on a journey into the improbable. Episode 278, Solar Storm, Part 1, read by Kathleen Connolly. Opening and closing theme by Matthew Erdman. Somewhere in some time, a dream might hold the key to predicting the future. Exhausted by weeks of after-hours work, Mary wasn't looking forward to facing the reality of another day struggling with her business partner to keep their small space weather company afloat. Mary and Tycho's Helios systems had been among the first commercial services to offer radiation forecasts to companies managing the recent explosion of constellations of internet satellites, but now it was just one of many. That was why Mary had been burning the late-night oil. She was trying to develop a new proprietary forecasting system that could accurately predict solar flares days if not weeks in advance, rather than just a few hours as current methods did. Helios's financial troubles would go away if she could make it work. The sway of the subway car forced her eyelids to surrender to the gravity of sleep deprivation. As she drifted into unconsciousness, her business problems dissolved, leaving her in a surreal dreamscape. Mary floated amidst a symphony of lights, a cosmic ballet painting the heavens with an iridescent brush. An aurora borealis caressed her in a welcoming, electrically charged embrace. It was inexplicably vibrant and pulsated with an alarming intensity. As if about to conduct an orchestra, she extended her arms toward the radiant threads weaving across the heavens, inviting them to come closer, but instead they rushed past, descending to the earth. Fiery tendrils snaked downward, lashing out at the ground. With searing ferocity, the aurora ignited everything it touched. Trees erupted into pyres, buildings spontaneously burst into flames, and the ground seemed to writhe in agony beneath the torrential heavenly blaze. In horror and awe, Mary watched the unfolding cataclysmic spectacle. Then its flames began to lick at her feet, singeing her skin. With a jolt, she snapped awake, her heart hammering against her ribs as the subway car shuddered to a halt at her station. She stumbled off, her pulse racing trying to shake off the lingering sense of being suspended between two worlds, the haunting terror of the dream and the mundane reality of the station platform. Steadying her mind, Mary straightened her posture and strode resolutely toward the exit, shedding the remnants of the nightmare as they dissolved back into her unconscious. It wasn't the first time she had fallen asleep on the subway, and it wasn't the first dream she had about a solar flare. The dreams had started a few months after she began working on her new space weather forecasting system. Mary wasn't sure if the work was causing the dreams or if the dreams had become inspiration for the work. Regardless, she had made a breakthrough soon after they started. You're late! Tycho, Mary's business partner, complained, looking up from his workstation as she walked through the door of their modest office. We promised GlobalNet we'd have a report out to them before the end of the day, he griped. I was up late working on the new system, Mary explained. Tycho made a face. You've been working on that for over a year. We're not a research lab, Mary. You need to focus on our clients or soon we won't have a business. Mary was tired of the argument. As far as she was concerned, 
Tycho was too caught up in the treadmill of survival to see that the only way out was to offer something the competition didn't. They needed an edge, and grinding out reports using the same solar flare prediction method everyone else employed wasn't going to get them anywhere. I'm almost finished, Tycho, she retorted, walking as fast as she could past his desk. In fact, I got the new system running last night and fed it all the current observational data. Tycho grimaced. No wonder my request was refused this morning. You've already used our daily download allowance. Send me the data, he demanded angrily. I need to check on the results first, Mary insisted. If my new method worked, missing a deadline won't matter. You might be willing to deal with the fallout from that, Tycho growled, but I'm not. I've got too much tied up in this company to have it fail, and it will if we lose Global Net's business. We've already cut our fees several times to keep them from leaving, Mary complained as she sat down at her desk. It's a downward spiral, Tycho, and I'm not willing to work for minimum wage. She huffed, too tired to keep the frustration out of her voice. Tycho glared at her. Knowing it was pointless to argue, Mary reluctantly gave in, turned on her workstation, copied the data to their shared folder, then ran the analysis. There was nothing much to report, just the possibility of a small solar flare in 72 hours from a well-studied cluster of sunspots. It wouldn't be strong enough to affect their clients' operations. Mary found it hard to concentrate as she finished up. She was anxious to compare the report against the results from her new model but knew doing so would set Tycho off on another rant. I'm going home early, Tycho finally announced. You finish up. I've been here since seven, he groused, trying to make Mary feel guilty. Mary looked up from her monitor to face him. You knew I had an interest in research, Tycho, when we started the company. The only way we're going to survive is by innovating. If we don't, well, just doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. You know how that saying goes. Anger flashed across Tycho's face. I'll see you tomorrow, he growled, and don't forget to set up processing for the overnight data from the Deep Space Network. We need to send out an update tomorrow. The door slammed behind him. Mary waited until she heard the elevator ding before switching workstations and launching the new system. A flashing green icon indicated it had finished crunching through the Deep Space Solar Observatory data. She quickly scanned the results, then slowed down to read the detailed projection, letting out an involuntary gasp. No, that's got to be wrong, she muttered to herself and compared her projection with the one she and Tycho had just sent out. The two reports agreed on the timing of the event and the sunspot grouping, which would be responsible for it, but that was all. Mary stood up, ran her fingers through her hair, then paced around the office, head spinning with the implications. Nervously, she sat down and stared at her screen. The strength graph glowed ominously, peaking at an astonishing X200. The largest recently recorded flare had been an X45, which hadn't been aimed at Earth. In 72 hours, there would be a coronal mass ejection, barreling towards the planet, dwarfing the infamous Carrington event of 1859, which had burnt out telegraph lines. But it wasn't 1859 anymore and there were thousands of satellites in low-Earth orbit and billions of electronic devices across the planet. If her new system were right, the geomagnetic onslaught would destroy the power grid and render the world's electronics lifeless, thrusting civilization back into a dark age. 
Mary suddenly felt sick and choked back bile. She lost track of time as she ran the analysis over and over, tweaking parameters, hoping a miscalculation would surface. Yet, each iteration reaffirmed the impending disaster, amplifying her growing panic. Her methodology was new and needed peer confirmation, the scientist in her reminded. However, if there was a possibility she was correct, should the world remain ignorant? Preparations could be made, devices turned off and unplugged, power grids shut down, planes grounded, and trains canceled. The economic costs would still be huge. However, the alternative was unimaginable. Mary wanted to be wrong. With a heavy sigh, she closed her eyes, contemplating the burden of knowledge suddenly gifted to her, trying to decide what to do. Mary! Tycho gently touched her shoulder. Mary jolted awake, the pattern of her jacket sleeve imprinted on her cheek. She had fallen asleep at her terminal. It was morning and light streamed in through the office windows. I guess I fell asleep, she grudgingly admitted. Tycho glared at her, his face turning red. And forgot to run the overnight data we needed for today's update. Mary pulled herself up, stretching out her stiff back and arms. I got distracted, she apologized, picking up a printout from the mess of paper strewn across her desk. But look at this, she exclaimed excitedly. Tycho grabbed the paper and was about to throw it in the trash when something on the page caught his eye and he froze. What? That can't be! Where'd you get this? From my new system, Mary explained, wishing she had a coffee. I stayed up all night rerunning the model and checking for mistakes. I didn't find any. Tycho scrutinized the page as if he could find an error. That's gotta be wrong, he finally declared. Something more than 100 times larger than anything ever recorded just doesn't show up out of nowhere. The last report we ran didn't show anything out of the ordinary other than a minor event. Nothing like this monster. Are these numbers for the geomagnetics even theoretically possible? I've never seen anything so intense. Anything's possible, Mary pointed out. We've only been recording solar flares since 1859. Tycho dropped the printout on Mary's desk. She thought he looked almost as worn out as she felt. Obviously, there's a problem somewhere in the underlying math, he dismissed. You should have someone else look at it, but right now, I need your help to run the data you neglected to process last night. I hope none of our clients complain we're late with the update. At a minimum, they'll demand a discount. Fine, Mary yawned unsympathetically. I've just started running the data and I'll help you with the report from home when it's finished. I'm going there to take a shower and a quick nap, she lied. She knew Tycho was right. She needed another set of experienced eyes to review her work, and she knew just the person to help, hopefully soon enough to warn the world. Tycho nodded. Okay, but I'm counting on you, Mary. I need you fully on board to get this done today. Instead of heading home, Mary took the subway to the George Street Station and walked the last few blocks to the astrophysics department at the university. It was a cloudy, humid spring day, which made Mary wish she had time to go home and change into more weather-appropriate clothes. Old maple trees formed green canopies and spots over the street. If it happened, the trees would record the event in their newly forming rings, but nothing else in their lives would change. That wasn't the case for the hustle of human activity under their leafy embrace. It would be irrevocably altered. What would it be like living in the city without power? No air conditioning in the summer and no central heating in the winter.
If she were right, the Earth's magnetic field amped up by the massive solar storm would inductively charge hundreds of thousands of power lines to the melting point, wiping out the last two centuries of technological development. Mary quivered at the thought. It was what she was there to prevent. She would get confirmation of her prediction and give the world time to unplug itself or prove she was wrong. The astrophysics department was housed in a nondescript three-story red brick structure behind a row of trees. Mary almost missed the sign. She hadn't seen the building for over 25 years. Back then, she had been a new undergrad and the trees were still saplings. She was there to see her old friend Kiara Sidhu. After grad school, they had taken different tracks. Kiara pursued her research through a series of postdoc positions, eventually ending up with tenure. Having no patience for academia, Mary jumped into the private sector, eventually starting Helios with Tycho. Until recently, she hadn't had the time to think about what life as an academic might have been like. She reminded herself she wasn't there to rethink past decisions. Mary walked through the doors and turned left up the stairs to the second floor where the prof's offices were. The hall was the same depressing beige as it had been when she was a student. Even the ceiling tiles hadn't been replaced still sporting rust stains where the nearly century-old plumbing had once failed. Apparently, astrophysics hadn't fared well in the rush to expand business and other programs that attracted corporate donations. Kiara's office was at the end of the hall, and for a brief moment, Mary thought she should have called first. But there were less than 60 hours left before the storm hit. If Kiara wasn't there, she had no time to track her down. Mary stopped in front of the office door and knocked hesitantly. There was no response. She tried again. My office hours are posted on the course website, a familiar voice yelled impatiently from behind the door. Kiara, it's me, Mary, Mary Payan, Mary yelled back through the old solid wood door. The screech of a chair being abruptly scraped over tile replied, followed by footsteps before the door was abruptly thrown open. Mary, it's really you, exclaimed a tall, elegant, middle-aged woman, her brilliant smile casting shadows into the hall. Kiara swooped up Mary in an embrace. It's great to see you, and so unexpected too. What brings you here? Are you still doing your space weather forecasting? Mary stood back to take in her old friend. I keep meaning to come over, but I get so caught up with business and time just seems to evaporate. You look great. How's academic life? Kiara told her about her research, the current crop of grad students, and the perennial threat of budget cuts for small programs like hers. Mary told her old friend about the treadmill her business had become, the growing competition, and the struggle to keep their heads above water, and finally, her plan to rise above it all with a new, more accurate space weather forecasting system. I ran it for the first time last night, Mary explained. It's why I'm here, I'm hoping you'd be willing to take a quick look at the algorithm. See if you can find any flaws in my approach. Sure, I'd be happy to help, Kiara agreed. I've got some time right now, but it would only be a superficial glance. Something more substantial will take time. That's okay, I just want another pair of eyes on this before... Mary stopped herself. She didn't want Kiara's opinion clouded by the results. Before? Kiara questioned. Before I start using it for our daily forecasts, Mary handed her friend a thumb drive. I'll go grab you a tea to give you time to look at it. Masala chai, that's still your favorite, right? Kiara nodded as she plugged the drive into her laptop. There's a new cafe around the corner. You can't miss it. 
but it will be busy this time of day. When Mary finally arrived back carrying two takeout cups, Kiara was frowning at her screen. She glanced up at Mary. How did you come up with this machine learning or a neural net? She asked distractedly. You know this will revolutionize solar flare forecasting. I didn't know you had access to that type of computing power. I don't, Mary admitted. That's hard to believe. It's such a departure from what we're using. Is it proprietary? Can you talk about it? Mary sighed with relief. Why don't you take a look at the forecast it generated, then I'll tell you everything. She handed over another thumb drive, then took a seat while Kiara loaded it. Kiara's eyes widened. My first response is to dismiss this. I can see why you had me look at the algorithm first. From the cursory glance I gave it, it's an entirely new way of analyzing the sun's magnetic flux around sunspots, and before seeing this prediction, I would have said it should work. But now, she gasped, this needs to be somehow collaborated using a different method because if it's correct, Kiara trailed off looking back at her screen. So, you have a way to confirm the model's accuracy? Mary asked hopefully. Not in the time available, it would normally take months, maybe even years. How did you come up with the idea? It's brilliant, just unproven. Mary braced herself for the inevitable reaction. I had been racking my brain for a way to improve space weather forecasts, she explained. I became so obsessed that it began invading my dreams. In one, I was trapped in the sun's magnetic fields, whipping around as if I were a wisp of plasma. Then, I suddenly understood that it wasn't just chaotic. The next day, with the help of an AI, I wrote that algorithm to find the pattern I had seen in the dream. They both sat in tense silence for a moment. A dream? Kiara noted skeptically. Your prediction model is based on a dream? To be continued. I'd like to give a special thanks to all our listeners. You can help us continue creating original content twice a month by either heading over to ko-fi.com slash makeshift stories and making a one-time donation or becoming an ongoing supporter at patreon.com slash makeshift stories. Makeshift stories is released around the beginning and middle of the month. This month's story was written by Alan V. Hare and read by Kathleen Connolly. Opening and closing themes were composed and recorded by Matthew Erdman. Audio production and editing by Makeshift Studios. If you'd like to connect with us, please send an email to makeshiftstories at gmail.com or visit our website at makeshiftstories.com. Links to both are in the show notes. Makeshift Stories is released under a Creative Commons non-commercial attribution, no derivative license, which means you are free to share our stories just remember to credit us and don't alter anything.